Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your host, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You kind of you came in a little early with the beer cracking. Uh, no, you had me it. muted entirely too long. So that's on you, yeah. our renowned audio engineer. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you to uh, suck it, you, Susan. You jumped the gun. You can see I you. Did you not. have eyes on. You mute me for way too long all the time. You make me drink more than I want. You're trying to get me drunk and exploit me. <laughs> I'm doing well, Andrew. Um, I've got a, um, I've got a lawsuit that's coming to a head. So this has been, um, like our deposition week and there's like over a hundred exhibits at this point that are floating around and several thousand pages of documents that are all kind of in play. Um, have you run out of tabs? No, we could okay. we would never run out of tabs. It's I, just I binder like binder tabs, exhibit tabs. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. We would okay. never. I've I've interacted with somebody who ran out of exhibit tabs and <laughs> during a deposition tried to explain himself and I, not an attorney, was like I'm not like I, I don't do your job. Not you. But I, I even I think that's unprofessional. Like get 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 exhibit tabs, man. Like, what are you doing in your office? Yeah, you know things happen, right? <clears throat> Multiple weeks in a row. No, that's yeah. not a thing happening. That's a like, yeah. Get you, your shit in order. It, well, and and also it's twenty twenty three. Go so to Office Max. You fuck. Just go into Adobe and print exhibit stamps on the bottom of each of your documents, like the rest of us do. It's also a choice. <laughs> a lot of things you could have done there besides piss and moan that you don't have enough tabs. Andrew, how are you? I am good. I spent the weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, I <gasps> I did lose some money, but I didn't... I was able to play through the weekend on just cash that I had in my wallet, and I didn't go to the ATM. Like, I, I went to Bottle Drop. I had, like, I don't know, 70 bucks in my wallet. <clears throat> and I made that last... You made 70 bucks last? I went pretty well and up. And then kind of like just kind of eased through it, went a little down, had a couple good hits, a couple good wins, went right back up and uh, closed it out on Sunday night. So I had no money going into Monday. But yeah, I made it. I made it last. Uh, Game, games in the of way choice? Of, in the way of gambling. So I played all craps. Played some roulette. Roulette was actually where I went way up. Uh, you know, and I also found that I didn't win a cent at the Mirage, which is where we were staying. I did really well at the MGM and at Caesars. Everywhere else is where I lost money. What's the minimum bet these days in Vegas? Uh, it depends on where you're playing. If you're playing at like the machines, the minimum bet's like under a dollar. Crap stables, your minimums are five. Uh, most of the blackjack you're going to play is minimums of 10-ish. I didn't see any under $10 hands. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I didn't get into poker at all. Um, 
Yeah, I, I like five or ten bucks, depending on what you're. Yeah, playing. five to ten bucks, just kind of as your in any table style games. Yeah. Uh, but I felt pretty good about that because I I had budgeted an allotment for like this is your gambling money, and then I never touched it. So I actually I'm up if, yeah. if we're if we're considering that. Yeah, that's we the would, way to do it. <clears throat> we, I'm, I mean, if you don't if you don't go through your budget, you're fine, right? You you go to Vegas with a budget of spend money. Yeah. If you win anything, it's it's gravy. Yeah. Or at least that's how I do it. And I didn't I didn't lose anything. Yeah. Uh one of the guys I was with, uh, he was up at about five up. Hundred? Five thousand. Well, okay. Uh he is a uh problematic gambler. Uh so we seized Is there any other way? We seized some of his money because he's notorious for going way the fuck up and then just coming away with nothing. So we took money. And I put it in the safe with my watches. That's my dog. Uh, so we took twenty five hundred bucks, put it in the safe with my watches. So I was the only one with the code, and he left with twenty three hundred dollars. <laughs> well we, done, because we gave it to him before we got on the plane, rather than when we got on the plane. So. Was was he in a state that he even recognized what had happened? He recognized that there were twenty five hundred dollars of gambleable money that, uh, that had he, gone missing. That he no, he knew he was no. fully aware of it, which is what like his awareness was. He's like, no, there's money in there. I need to gamble it because I can make more money. His mentality with gambling is like, I'm gonna go make some money, which is a weird mentality. Because when I go to gamble, I'm like, I'm gonna go lose some money. Yeah. That's that's what you do when you gamble. I'm gonna go try to minimize my losses. Yeah, and uh, but so so While more, drinking free booze. I didn't get a single comped beverage. Boo. Uh, but while talking about Vegas, this is not my other thing, but this is an other thing. And we're going to open the show with it. There is a beverage that I tried called the uh, Verbana, Verbena, V-E-R-B-E-N-A. Should you go to Las Vegas, I highly recommend this. It is available at the Chandelier. Or chandelier, if you're going to be, you know, trashy, uh, bar at the Cosmopolitan. And the reason for its name is that it uses a a verbana flower as a garnish. And it's pretty simple. I thought it was going to be gin, but it's actually a tequila and yuzu sour mix cocktail. So it's kind of like a ginny, herbally margarita with this flower in it and they give you the cocktail flower. The, the cocktail's 20 bucks, which is not unreasonable for Vegas prices. It's like kind of average. Uh, they give it to you. They give you the instructions. The instructions are take this flower. No, so take a, take a couple good sips, like a couple, couple slurps, little quaffs of this <laughs> cocktail. Which is nice and sour. It's actually it's like a really really good cocktail. Take this flower that's in it, and it's it's kind of like a like a bud. It's not a flower. It's like a like a dandelion bud kind of appearing thing. Chew it. Like make sure you get a chew of it on every one of your teeth, front, back, and sides. And while you're chewing this thing, you're just getting this bizarre pop rocky sensation in your entire mouth. And everything's kind of like doing this 
this weird sine wave of like numb and really explosive. And I got some weird numbness in the front of my mouth. And one of my eyes is twitching because of how sour everything's getting somehow. And you chew through it and you swallow it. And it turns to like just up, like not even paste. Just It just dissolves in your mouth. And the whole idea of this cocktail is that, or of this flower, is that it changes the way your taste buds are interacting with the flavors. So every subsequent taste of this cocktail is experienced differently by your taste buds that have been effectively poisoned by this plant. And it makes, it's not on the menu anymore, but it still makes $9.4 million a year at that bar. Whoa. So I don't, I didn't do the math on that, but 9.4 divided by 20 is a bucket load of yep. cocktails that they still sell. Yep. And I highly recommend you try one. Everyone I was with was like, oh my gosh, I love that. I'm going to try another one. They did. I was not down with a round two because it was such a bizarre sensation, but it was the most memorable and interesting cocktail I've ever had. I'm coming up with 460,000 dollars. Neighborhood. Or 460,000 beverages. And uh, if you divide that by like a daily amount. How much was it? 20 bucks? 20 bucks. Yeah, whatever. That's how much all the cocktails in That's Vegas every are. cocktail. A Jack and Coke is $10. Right. Cool. So, yeah. I so that's not your other thing. No, it's not my other thing. But it was I, definitely an interesting thing that I did while I was there. It was perhaps the most interesting thing. We went and saw a comedy show. We went and saw Ka, gambled, drank, did all the normal Vegas things. Uh but that was a game changer. We ate at Best Friend. That was really good. Ate at Momofuku. That was really good. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Man. But that cocktail was the most memorable thing. I was here in Eugene. I had at least one Modelo and I went to Burrito Boy. Look at you go. <laughs> had the Caesars Buffet too. So good. How much is the Caesars Buffet these days? Uh, 80 bucks, yeah. 90, not 90 bucks for dinner. Okay. Yeah. And do they do, um, everything. Yeah. They do everything. Right. There was whole roast pig. There was, uh, what was it? I was, what was it? There was a specific dish. I was, oh, prime rib. Did they do the prime? There rib? was prime rib. Yeah. There was steamship. There was brisket, which brisket was a bummer. There was Steamed crab legs, chilled crab legs, lobster tail. Uh, they were doing like a Berea taco station. Tons, like just everything. It, it's all uh, like above average to well done dishes internationally. Like you start in Asia if you go to the beginning of the line and end with like New England seafood with everything in between. Well, as much as I would like to talk about Vegas all night, we are not here to talk about MGM's very lovely buffet. It's a Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace is what I meant to say. Uh, very lovely buffet. We're here to talk about watches. We're talking about watches, Andrew. We're, we are. And with that, did you come with any watches to talk about? No. Okay. <laughs> Good night, you guys. It's been real. I did. And the first one that I want to talk about is a U.S. company called Montour. 
Not heard of them. Montois. And clearly, is this French? This no, it's an American company, oh, and I they understand have. That. I said that now twice. Uh, so shut the fuck up. Um, they have released, and they're releasing via Kickstarter. I think double check on that one. Uh, yes, a Kickstarter brand doing a kind of seventies styled case. With a very modern kind of SKX feeling dial dive watch. And what intrigued me about this was that there were a bunch of colors with a well-specced dive watch. But the size is what got me kind of excited about this style of watch. We've got a 40.5 millimeter case, a little big, but an 11.5 thick 200 meter dive watch. Uh, and that had me interested because this is a really well-sized touch on the bigger side than what I want, but a well-sized entry into the dive watch game. And the time and tide write up is kind of lame. Um, it's almost like they didn't maybe have one in hand because they talk about the impressiveness of the dial which is not impressive nor is it not impressive right it's a pips and triangles dial but i like the execution of it it's the simplicity that i want it's a well-shaped case it's got a nice crown proportion and these are coming in right now on kickstarter for 375 for the super early bird 400 for the regular early bird and 435 for normal Kickstarter. They're going to go up to 750 retail. I don't see them doing another run, but these are certainly a perfectly inoffensive dive watch and well specced. If you're going to get, in, get into them in that super early bird slash early bird pricing zone, they're doing 150. Oh, excuse me. They're doing 200 in those prices. Um, but yeah, Sapphire Crystal, four colorways available, not coming on a bracelet, just an FKM strap, Salita SW200 movement. Yeah. These are, like, if you're going to get into them at this super early bird and early bird price, this is a good, this is a good grab. These were on our list last week, and we didn't get to them, and decided to bring them bring them again this week. It, there's it, it, this is one of those watch releases that I think requires you to ignore the watches you've been excited about, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not to say I hate it when people say this is like a circa 2015 micro brand release or whatever, because it's not. This is its own thing. It's just I think we've become, um, I think we've become accustomed to, you know, figuring out what the spiel is, what's special, and, and I genuinely do not mean this as a criticism of Montoir. But this is, there's nothing special here, right? It's a 200 meter dive watch. It looks well made. Uh, you've got some, a little bit of Blanc Pond. You've got uh, w- whatever, right? The sizing is, this is a 40 and 20 dive watch. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I mean, this, 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Pricing is probably what we'd expect to be competitive three years ago, which I think maybe that's a special thing. That's what I'm excited about is the Kickstarter pricing for the early bird and super early bird, like 400 bucks for a well-specced dive watch. It loses that specialness once it goes to retail. Because otherwise it's 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 kind of a boring competitor to some of the other like actually special things out there. This is a screaming deal on a well-specced dive watch right now. And, and it looks to me like it's going to make... It looks to me like it's they're going to make plenty of money. They've got $75,000 pledged. They've got 23 days to go, 187 backers. Like they're going to make it. Um and I think I think this is a a nice looking, inoffensive, very nice watch. I'm not sure why you would get this versus something else. And maybe that's the question. Why would I get this? You know, it's got this aqualung uh, thing going on in the back. They call it a skin diver, but they've got an old. I mean, there's there's some it's confusion not here. Yeah, there's some confusion here. Um, but whatever, it's cool. Three seventy five though. Yeah, I, that's that was what caught my eye. Because otherwise, this is a an inoffensive kind of bleh. Not bleh in a bad way, but just bleh. It just is. It's this is steel cut oats. And no, no bracelet on these, right? No, which can, which does bum me out. They talk about a stainless steel strap at some point in there. I'm trying to find it now, but I don't see any indication of maybe a that. buckle. Yeah, they say. Stainless steel strap is one of their stretch goals. All of the photographs are in FKM. Yeah, that's right. Like a basket style FKM strap. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool watch. I I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I also it does have a ghost state, though, for those of you who get offended by that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so this says um Yeah, I don't know. I swear I saw something about a quote-unquote stainless steel strap, but maybe I didn't. There you go. Montoir. Montoir. Yeah, it's interesting. Talk me out of Montoir, I dare you. Uh, Andrew, I've got a watch I'd like to talk about. Do me. I'm going to slip this one in before you get to Mm, it. You would. Because this is on both of our lists. Uh, Richard Bentz of Studio Underdog. You shit has unveiled his second watch. This is his second 10th watch, I think. That's right. That's right. So they're calling this the O2 series field collection. This is sort of a, uh, I'm going to think it's bank, isn't it? Uh, bank. I, you know, I can't remember. He told us how to pronounce it and I'm the bastard who forgets. Uh, I saw these, I saw these what? mm, Two months ago, month and a half ago. When Richard, my friend, who I totally know how to pronounce his last name, sent me an email. Uh, This is a classically styled field watch with, it it should come as no surprise, a whole bunch of surprises. Uh, You will, this is not a stoic dive watch. Few tricks up this thing, sleep. I love getting emails from him because he emails 40 and 20 
and my personal email. Because you always see my personal email because you know I do not right. monitor the 40 and 20. So, but it seems like, like he'll have, he'll, he'll be emailing the 40 and 20 email address and then just kind of out of nowhere add me to the two line. So this was one of those where I got this. There was a whole thread attached to it. And suddenly I have this embargoed photograph, like press kit. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> it was such a nice surprise. So famously, Studio Underdog refers to its watches as, uh, based on the names of the colors. Uh, and, and their first their first watch was a chronograph really a, a very interesting watch. One of the most interesting watches I think we've seen of the year for sure. In many ways, because not because of the colors, but because of the way they were playing with color. This is no different, but totally different. I, I think the most interesting thing about this watch, and there's a lot of interesting things about the watch. The most interesting thing is my initial reaction was like, oh my gosh, they did it again. It would have been very easy to take any one of the things that they did with their first incredibly popular watch and to repeat those. Or ruin it. And they did none of that. This is a totally unique new idea. Um, I'll just give you the skinny on this. If you haven't seen these, take, take a couple looks at the pictures. Uh, but what you need to know is this is a dial that has been painted with loom or in the, in the, with one exception, a black paint or loom, but, but, but for the one that has black paint coated with a one millimeter sapphire disc Mm -hmm. that has markers painted on top of it. So essentially what you get is a sheet of loom covered with glass with markers that float above the glass. Optically, what it looks like as you look down is a loomed dial with markers floating, applied markers or sort of, yeah. They look like they're floating markers. (laughs) Floating on top uh, and they cast shadows like you'd imagine. Really, really, really interesting. Uh, it should come as no surprise that this comes in a few different colors. There is, I had the colors up cause I wanted to get them right. I don't know the names. I, I do. Uh, there is a pink lemonade, which is a ombre yellow at 12. It's like a tequila to, sunrise. <laughs> that's right. Pink at six. There is a, and this is my favorite of the names. Maybe not my favorite of the colors. There is a Stephanie Blue, which <laughs> I super love. Like just just middle finger, it, man. I love it. There is a full moon, which is sort of a traditional sort of creamy full loomed. And then there is a midnight. The midnight is the one exception to the loomed dial. This is That's a black dial expect. with loomed markers, unsurprisingly. Um the the disc is attached to the dial with a, a a pin, I guess, at nine and three that actually goes through the sapphire, or at least I assume it does, which also gives this some visual intrigue. 
other than that, this is, you know, a 12 Arabic numeral field watch. We do not have a 24 hour track, uh, a mechanical hand wide movement. 37 millimeter case, 9.8 thick without the crystal. This is it. 100 meters of water resistance on it. This is dope. Yeah, it's terrific. This is a perfectly sized field watch. Like he took the what you want out of a field watch. This really kind of specific thing that's a little bit boring and didn't change it and made it super creative and out there in the way that the only table at wind up that has a watermelon could do. And, and you know, this is, I would say this is not a particularly horologically interesting watch. Uh, the case, uh, I'm gonna, I'm not going to rip on the case, but I'll say the cases on these watches on the studio underdog watches don't really blow me away. They're not bad. They're good cases, but that's not what he's doing here. He's doing something different. And we talked about this a little bit when we had Richard on the show. Um, No, he plays with color. He's making very interesting watches that are really basic, but then really interesting. Yeah. He takes a gin cocktail and adds a poison flower to it. (laughs) I guess that's fair enough. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. This is, because <clears throat> just looking at the the not uh, tequila sunrise version of it, the white dial field watch with no loom, you're like, oh, that looks interesting enough. There's something happening here that's different, and you get a little bit of angle on it, and you're like, oh, the why are the why are the markers casting a shadow? And you realize that you have floating markers in some mm-hmm. capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the loom, which is super well executed, so unique. This is a really cool exercise in depth management of a dial. Mm. That's what it is to me. And he's, you know, he's got the the tequila sunrise, but the, the way he's found a way to add depth to a dial is really creative mm. and really cool. Yeah, I, I dig it. So uh, 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 the details you need is this is a nine hour drop. Uh, I think when we go to the website now, it says 14 days from now. Uh, but November 1st, for a period of nine hours, all orders placed during that window are guaranteed to be filled with the first 500 watches ready to be delivered before Christmas. 900 bucks. Boom, boom, boom. After 500, I think there's a TBD delivery date. But this is this is pretty good, right? It'll probably be March. I mm, guess. Yeah, hard to say. Maybe April with February being time off in yeah. China. Not too many watches come out in March. Uh, not too many Chinese-made watches come out in March. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. It's terrific. Thanks. I like the uh, 
availability period too. It it beats pre-orders. It's like, hey, if you want this watch, you can buy it, and you must buy it during this period. That that is, I think that is the way to do limited releases like this, or just somebody who doesn't have the capacity to do unlimited releases. Yeah, right. Because I don't think this is a limited release. This is just isn't like a a bench stock watch. I think that's right, but with just uncertain quantities to be produced. So, yeah. Andrew, what's next? Ooh, next up for me, this intrigued me, and I have like a vague memory of its predecessors, uh, but Leica, the Maybe Leisha? I'm not really sure. Leica? The camera company, Leica, uh, has dipped its toes in the watch game. I had, like, a soft... Like, when I read this, I was like, oh, I kind of remember that happening. But just overlooked it. Hmm. They've now released their third watch, being the ZM-11 which is an interesting watch in that it shouldn't be coming from a company like Leica. So this is a 41 millimeter sport watch. It comes in either a black and red or a coffee black or midnight blue. It has integrated lugs with a bracelet 45 lug to lug 100 meters of water resistance with the case width on it is 41 millimeters this is an interesting watch it also has and when why i want to talk about it a quick release strap system that is unique and really cool. Um, so because it's integrated, it uses a quick release system very much the way Cartier does, but because of the shape of the strap, it uses almost like a keyhole shape locking mechanism in its strap that is metal built into the strap with a push button release. And this is what got me excited because if a company like Leica who doesn't make watches and is just kind of doing it seemingly for the weird collision between the camera world and the watch world, they're doing a, an actually fairly interesting technology watch uh, it's an attractive watch. There's nothing offensive or inoffensive about it. The previous models are exactly the same way. Uh, it's a 12 marker dial, very much in the way of like a dress sport, simple dial. But this quick release technology... is out there and is doable and it means that it's doable from other brands who are looking to kind of add that thing into their repertoire. 
it's it's intriguing to me. The watch itself is like kind of forgettable, but the fact that Leica can do this means that other people can too, and maybe should be. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a number of interesting aspects to this watch. Uh, you you had suggested at some point when you were talking that Leica is doing the design here, and, and that may be true. I have to imagine they're working with outside consultants. I, I believe they're working with a German engineering firm on their movements. No, uh, so the for the previous two, they were. They're using Swiss movements now. Uh, this is coming in steel and titanium. Steel at 67.75. That's 6,775. And the full titanium at 81.50. Right. Um, so, so what used, I was going to say was, I, I know that they were yeah. working with a German engineering firm for... Their, their movements on ZM1 and ZM2, mm-hmm. I have to imagine that that firm is also, uh, on the ZM1 and ZM2 at least, providing some sort of design advice. But it could be that Leica, Leica is doing this in-house. Uh, and, and I will say that when you look at that quick release system, it is both very interesting looking and also a bit industrial looking. It looks camera gear it does. So that might happen. They might be happening in house. I, I don't know. I, I do like the fact that there's a red dot on yeah. the button to depress. Uh, yeah, these are interesting. They're kind of thick. Uh, I don't care so much about the watch. I'm really intrigued by the quick release technology. Uh, but I, even as thick as they are, I, I think they're neat. I, I, I don't have. Because a male end link could take that super easily. Or any strap could take that super easily. I'm intrigued by that. I'm sure it's proprietary, but you can do something like this. Do it. Do it. What am I doing? I'm just suggesting that Foster do a quick release system like this. I've got another watch I want to talk about. Do me. Eric Wind has teamed up with Bamford, Rowing Blazers, and Tag Heuer. Somebody actually has to make the fucking watch. Uh, to release a Carrera Yacht Timer. This is a re-release of a Carrera. Look. It's not a re-release. It, it's there's some colors that were kind of reinterpreted. Uh, this is a clever and attractive watch. It's got the feel, uh, much like a lot of what Tag Heuer is doing with their career releases. It's got the feel of something old, notwithstanding the fact that it's new. Um, I like this watch. I do too. There's a couple things that I I, I find to be a bit head scratchy. So so one, they only made a hundred. So whatever, everything else I say, forget about it because they, you can't is, have one. That's right. This is a watch for a hundred people. They cost $9,000. Uh, I can't have one. Head scratchy things. This is a 42 millimeter Carrera chronograph. This is not the glass box that 
the that tag released for its 60th anniversary or that was used on the skipper that feels like a like it would be a really perfect platform for this rather this is a 42 millimeter standard Carrera chronograph case um you, you know i i think that rowing blazers and actually only 99 were produced <laughs> there you go Rowing Blazers and Bamford both really want to be on the dial. In this situation, I'm a little... I find that decision to be a bit head-scratchy. I don't scratchy. like the font on the Rowing Blazers. Well, yeah, but that's Rowing Blazers' I, logo. I get that, but I don't okay. like it. You could, like... You can look past it. And and you shall. Uh, Doesn't matter. You can't have it. Right. <laughs> I like this watch. I, really I like the like bracelet. I wish this was a 39, 39 millimeter glass box. I wish that it didn't say Rowing Blazers at six. Uh, but but it looks like Easter. The pastels on the sub dials are phenomenal. Love it. Love it. So you've got a green three, a smaller blue six, and a red nine. But when we say green, it's actually like sort of a gingham cross hatched thing. It's the green that you get when you dye an Easter egg That's with right. green food dye. That's right. <laughs> so is the blue and so too is the red you've got these great blue markers you've got fantastic orange hands this is great yellow loom yellow second hand everything in pastel it, it, this is a 70s watch i appreciate eric wind so much for everything he touches because it's always fucking cool and interesting and fun and not taking itself seriously that's powder blue chapter ring it's a really terrific watch. It is so good. I went to the Tag Heuer store while I was awa this weekend and wanted to buy all of it. I I I don't understand. What did you want to buy at Tag Heuer specifically? All of it. Every single thing <coughs> I saw. <laughs> I tried on at Monaco. There's an Aqua Racer. Not, maybe not everything. That's what I wanted to buy. <laughs> uh yeah, I I don't understand the uh, the tag hate in the world. You know, I I think that there was a lot of tag hate when you and I got into the hobby. I think that's kind of dried up. I think between Tag Heuer kind of revamping its catalog and starting to make more interesting, more neat watches, I think that it's been harder to criticize the releases. And I also just think that people are appreciating tag for what it is, you know, like tag 1000 divers in like original tag 1000 divers right now we're going for obscene amounts of money, obscene amounts of money. Tags just having a bit of a, a moment. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't call it a resurgence. It's that they're having a moment tags in season. Uh, I did. Almost certainly purchase a fiberglass F1. Just so you like know. the car? No, no. Oh. Tag Heuer F1 resin slash fiberglass case and bezel. That'd have been super cool. Uh they had it. There was uh, a, no no. I, I, I did almost certainly purchase one. I don't have it yet, and so I'm unclear whether this has actually happened, but whether it's transacted. I believe it's happened. You you've put money for it. Ish, yes. 
Yes. Uh, there was an F1. I'll tell the, st- I'll tell the story when, when this actually happens. There was an F1 car in front of my hotel this weekend because there's an F1 race in Las Vegas next month. Uh, it was shocking how small it was. I always have this idea that these cars are much bigger. No. They're just Itty bitty. so small. It's like a fucking motorcycle. Yeah. With giant tires. Yeah. <laughs> in in a V12 engine. I actually don't know what kind of engines they I don't have. think V12 is big enough. It's a rocket ship. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was crazy to be in person that close to one. And I just, I just never, it never really connected with me that F1 drivers are actually the same size as horse jockeys. Uh, Do you know whose car it was? It was just a display car. It was just a car. It was just a display car because there's an F1 race next month. Did did it have a... I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that. I was shocked by the size. Okay. God, it was so small. Would you like me to move it along? Yeah, I want you to just stop being you. Don't ask me questions or... That I'm not prepared to answer. I was just taken by the size. So Fortis has No, a, no I want to talk about the Fortis. I already did that. Yeah, but you have other watches. No, I guess I have one more too. We both do. Uh, Fortis has brought us <laughs> back the Novanot N... 42 and of course fortis uh famously or infamously perhaps provided cosmonaut timepieces for uh the cosmonauts for those of you unfamiliar cosmonauts are russians uh but this is uh fortis's re-release of not re-release updated release of the in 42 and it is a big bitch this is a 42 millimeter case 14.7 thick 200 meters of water resistance and it is cool this is a space watch this is a true space watch and i love it it's a 1296 chronograph. I'm into it. This is super Fortisy. This is super tool watch. This is my jam. And it's a space watch. What is it that you'd like to say about it? I tried to keep it real high level because I know that you want to talk more. <laughs> I don't I, I mean I no, it's fine. Uh yeah. Fortis, 1994, first official watch of the Russian Space Agency. Which is a bummer. R- Russ Cosmos? Is that, is that how you say that? I, I think that's the only way uh, uh, a non-Russian speaker could say it. So we talked about this watch. I, I believe we talked about this watch when we recorded our 7750 versus 5100. Because it used both movements. Because yeah. it used both movements, right? So 1994, they released this with the Lamagna. 5100, what, 2003, I think, they released the B42 yep. with the 7750. Uh, it, when they released the B42, they increased the size by three millimeters from 39 to 42. And for that reason, there is a lot of love 
for the 5100 cosmonauts. Uh, I think that the B42 is probably a more modern, sexier looking watch, I think. But that 39 millimeter size, when I saw this release, I kind of had fingers crossed that this would be a 39 millimeter. And and it's not. This is a 42. (laughs) It's a 42. It's also using the work 17 movement, which call it what you want. It's a 7750. Yeah. It's a column wheel 7750. Uh, there's probably some proprietary shit going on because they sent it to space and rockets. Yeah, that's right. So they did. So Fortis famously, what sent this out to space mm-hmm. for a 60 hour. Anyway, this, the movement is theoretically t- space tested. It is for what it's worth. We've just talked about it. Yeah, I don't understand. But all that to say, these are cool. So so they they upgraded the the bezel is now or the, the bezel insert is now a ceramic. This is a good looking watch. It's still a 7750. I think Fortis does a great job <laughs> with their bracelets. I think they do a great job with their clasps. Bi-directional bezel too. Bi-directional is a I great, really like that. Great idea for this watch. It's got 200 meters of water resistance. You've got I mean this is like a legit coolest shit tool chronograph, right? Novanot, which which I don't know if that's maybe the Russian version of Cosmonaut. Yeah, I don't... Well, Cosmonaut is Russian. I don't know. Yeah, I don't speak it, Russian. But it, it's got Novanaut, which is interesting to me. I'm, I'm always intrigued by watches that have its own name on the dial, but it's got a really subtle Novanaut under the day date at the 3 o'clock. With great fonts. Yeah, this whole thing. It's it's super Fortis-y. I, I super like this watch. Female and links. Uh, I think it's a bit of a tough time to be celebrating Russian things, even if it's Russian space agency things. Uh, with that said, uh, we're not, we're celebrating Fortis. This is a red watch. Yeah, it's a red watch. Blue, black, and, uh, black. I can tell, I can (laughs) discern that there's a difference in color between these two watches, but I, there is a limited edition hundred piece black version of this with a like smoked sapphire case back. That's being Mm. released, but the standard non-limited releases are just blue and black. All right. Uh, Christopher Ward. Ooh, what do we have? Released a gold watch. Yeah, this is an interesting release from them. So Christopher Ward just released their 12 in a Halo version. They're calling this the 12 Halo, which is a rose gold accented... Christopher Ward 12. That's what it is. I mean, with a with an 18 karat gold bezel. Uh, there is there are pictures of this on the website with an ambiguous, an ambiguously gendered hand and wrist model, which is that was my that was my reaction takeaway. That was my reaction to the marketing on this. It is there. Christopher Ward is being very careful to not genderify this watch which is appropriate and i think that makes sense i I would think this is very obviously targeted at a more feminine audience which is not to say i wouldn't wear it because i think i would with that said this is clearly a watch that's got the masculinity 
toned down in favor of a bit more feminine look. Is that a fair way to put that, do you think? I accept. Dials are black and silver. Uh, rose gold accents on the bezel, hands, logo, no numerals. Only dial markings are a Christopher Ward. They're, they've got the British Swiss logo at 12. Automatic at the middle of the six o'clock. Two thirds down. And Swiss made in a, in this context, I think an obscenely big Swiss made at the bottom of the dial. Uh, all that to say it's a 12 with rose gold and a Movado dial. <laughs> that sounds bad. It's the first Christopher Ward I don't like. I, I don't mean it that way. It is. It's a Movado dial. I just, it's the first. There's, I'm bummed out by this watch. A, give me yellow gold. If you're going to give me rose gold, give me yellow gold. I don't I don't want rose gold. Uh, B, why the Swiss made? C, give me like a minute track or something, right? Christopher Ward is better than this. The 12 <laughs> is better than this. Yeah. I, this was a weird choice. I don't hate it. I, I don't think I hate it as much as you do, but I'm I also like. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. If I hated it, I would be like anti-Chris Ward. They only have this in 36 millimeters. They're 2500 bucks. It's a super appropriate size concerning this the the precious metal that's going into it. 2500 bucks is great. The 12 is a fantastic design. I think this dial and colorway on it is an enormous miss. Use the 12 dial and incorporate yellow gold or uh, white gold. I actually kind of hate the 12 dial, so I'm fine that they changed it, but so the 12 is a big miss for 40 and 20. We will have Sir Michael France on again, and we will discuss the failings of the 12. Uh, this is, it's, it's a weird release for me for Christopher Ward. It's wholly unlike anything else in their catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, and I, I will continue to wonder just until... To- Wah, 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 wah. These are great watches, though. They are under 10 millimeters thick. Yeah. These are terrific watches. I think they did a great job, but for both the the Basic Bitch 12 and for this watch, there's just something about it that I'm like, Mwah. It's the first miss for me in a long time from Christopher Ward. Andrew, what's next? I think, I think that might be it. Oh, well, no. Everyone wanted to talk about the IWC Top Gun watches. It was everywhere. I didn't really even read much about them. I'm not super excited by them. But everyone was talking about them. Uh, what else? Oh, we have Wind Up next week. <laughs> We're not going to be there. But uh, Wind We're Up is next week. Up. Sorry, you guys. Um. The, oh, so just quickly, the IWC Top Gun watches, they're, they're drab. Yeah. And they're really expensive. Um, and everyone wanted to talk about them. They're, that's on it. It's, Grand Seiko has released 36 yes. millimeter 44 GSs. They're almost 12 millimeters thick. They, they are. They're, they're thick bitches. Andrew. She's thick, but she fire. Uh, I walked by some dudes who were dressed as Mario and Luigi. as like the, uh, we're getting our photographs taken on the strip. It was their side hustle. 
uh, Mario had uh, a drink in his hand <laughs> and Luigi was smoking a joint and they were clearly off work because Luigi was walking by and I overheard him be like, yeah, bro, she thick, but bro, she far. <laughs> and and I never heard those things like used in that just like in that flow. But you were like, I feel you, Luigi. <laughs> I was like, Luigi, she was thick, but definitely she fire, man. And it was just such a. F- <laughs> I feel you, Luigi. Because they very much look like Mario and Luigi, but like Mario was a was a drunk, and Luigi was you know a reefer addict. I'm watching uh, Back to the Future with Mark, just saw the. I don't mess with no reefer addict scene. So reefer addict is now top of mind. Um, is she thick, but she fire. Uh, and these grand Seikos are thick, but she fire, but they thick. Uh, and, and it, in typical grand Seiko fashion, the dial is designed after the folding of a paper fan. No, these look like the cocktail time grooved dials. They're gorgeous. Um, I really like these, but they're, um, what? Six grand, five grand. Yeah, they 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 they're almost six thousand bucks. Yeah, they're fine. They're good. They're not bad. These are not bad. They're good. They're thick, but, but they fire. But they fire. Andrew, other things. What do you got? Uh, yeah. So I have always been like a a duffel bag traveler. Um, same. Uh. Because they're super convenient, you can you get the stuffing action in them where you can overload them, and it's great. Um, you know, then I got a little bit older, and I got a few pieces of luggage, and then there's just the normal, like framed out, shitty, shitty luggage that everyone else has. Uh, about a year ago, Sam, my wife, got one of the clamshell hard side luggage things in a carry-on size um <clears throat> i used it this past weekend and i am a believer i will You're be a convert i am a full convert i'm going to move away from duffel bags entirely and buy these hard side luggage i'm going to get a couple sets uh having telescoping not telescoping um four wheels that are fully uh, articulating was amazing. I'm not like dragging my luggage behind me. I'm not having to lug it on my shoulder. My The handle is fully Your up. Briefcase and I'm just, rolling. Yeah, I'm just driving it alongside me. This was amazing. My packing was more efficient because it's hard-sided. So yeah, I can still stuff and I can squish things, but it's the, it's, I'm not testing the, the potential of the bag. I'm just pushing air out of the things that I'm shoving it into. I have the same amount of space, but somehow more space. So we got one of the Wrangler, like cheap, like $40 carry on things. It's got a cup holder built into the outside and a two end USB port. So you can plug a phone charger in to one side, like a, like a battery pack and then your phone into it in like, on the luggage, I'm a full convert to hard-sided luggage. I dig. I mean, actually, I don't. I, I, I my, my wife has luggage. I have now three kids that all have carry-on-sized hard-sided. 
I don't like the form factor, but I can appreciate it. I am always going to be a duffel bag guy. I love my backpack strap, North Face, yep. Base Camp duffel. No, nope. that's the I love duffel bag. Truth. I love the functionality, but for air travel, I am a full convert to hard sides. I I do I do find the USB like plug a cable into the top of it. That is compelling to me. I was I saw one this weekend that you can ride on. <laughs> it was like powered and had like a 300 pound weight capacity that it really intrigued me. I don't spend enough time in airports walking to make that a really valuable proposition. That's for when me. you've given up. Um, but hard side luggage, I'm totally sold or at the very least luggage with four wheels. Yeah. I, cause I'm, I've been a duffel bag guy my whole I'm slightly disappointed in you. Like I, I, I walked through an airport with a rucksack on my front, a shoulder pack duffel bag on my back, and then another duffel bag atop of my shoulders. Done that. And I fully believed in that methodology. But I don't live in that world anymore. Where I have what to happens do that. if you get attacked by a bear when you're at the airport? I'm faster than the next slowest guy. <laughs> I, as I long as you get your your three hundred capacity battery operated ride along, <laughs> yeah. As long as I have that, uh, no, I'm a full convert into hard side luggage with four wheels. It was right. a game changer. I feel I have very I have a lot of mixed feelings. Mixed feelings, all you want, uh, because you can go in any direction you want with four wheels on the bottom of your luggage. What do you have for me? I may not even have a, uh, another thing at this point. You that have, wouldn't be surprising to me. You typically don't. Andrew, uh, do you remember, of course you do, a few years ago when New York Times purchased Wordle after uh, a about a, 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 a six-month period of, you know, Maybe it was even shorter than that. Wordle came out, took the world by storm. Everybody's sharing the world's Wordle scores. New York Times bought them. You remember this? Yes. I shortly thereafter kind of stopped playing Wordle. Not because it, the game was any worse. And, and just to clear the air, yes, Wordle appears to have been ripped off from a game show. I don't care about that. Um, I, I just stopped playing it, right? It was just kind of like whatever. My my wife, I see about a month ago, is playing a game that has the same sort of aesthetic as Wordle, and she's sharing scores in this much in the same way you share Wordle. It's called Connections. Have you heard of this? And this is new information to me. So there's a game called Connections, which is a New York Times game. I don't know anything of the history, so this may also be a ripoff of another game. I'm not sure. Is it, is it spelled the way I think it is? Yes. Okay. Uh, the, the game is you you get a grid, much, just like Wordle, every day you wake up to a new game, and the game is a grid. The grid is 16 squares, four by four, and each of the squares contains a word and the words can be grouped into four groups of four it's not immediately parent it's not as you start going through what the groups of four are but that is the game the game is to find which four words go with others uh, to give uh, an example to give an example 
this last, I think two days ago, one of the one of the categories was days of the week. And that means that the four days of the week would fit into a category. However, there were also two additional days. So you had six days of the week. One of those days was Wednesday, which went with the Adams Family character category. Oh. And one of those games was Tuesday, which went in a category of fat things. Fat Tuesday was the example. So uh, th- that's the game, right? That game is not necessarily my other thing because I saw Kim playing this. I was intrigued. I said, how do I get that? She said, you got to get this. So I downloaded the app. I paid a little bit of money for the subscription. I can't remember how much it is. It's I'm probably, playing it right now on NewYorkTimes.com. I'm playing today's on the version, website, and I'm doing poorly. I have one mistake remaining, remaining, <laughs> and no correct answers. I, I got no misses today. Just so you know, fuck off with ghost at the top left. It, yes. So I I downloaded this, and and so connections is a fun game. Wordle turns out still fun. Uh, but also what I got was every day you get the crossword. If you, if you download the app, pay the subscription every day, you get the crossword and every it day doesn't show you. Oh, it does show you the right answer. Yeah. Every day you get three Sudokus and they are easy, medium and hard. So I have almost every day been playing Wordle connections i've been playing the crossword most days although i can't complete the crossword every day some people can mike razak can does it in pen um i think he does it on the app uh and i've also been doing the sudokus and i just am having a blast with this app every day i do wordle i send kim my score i do connections i some days i do the sudoku some days i have a long poop uh The easies are usually doable in about five minutes. The mediums have taken me much longer. I'm not a Sudoku guy. I love Sudoku. So, like, I think for the mediums, I've been doing them in about a half hour to 45 minutes even. And the hards take about the same time. I, I don't see that there's a huge gap between the mediums and the hards. A couple days there have been. Some. It's because once you get into a roll on hard, like the hard is, is getting the first like five numbers. Perhaps. And then and then you're there. It, it, the medium, it just is the constant effort. So my other thing for the week is the New York Times Games app. I've just been having a blast with it. I would say there is easily uh, an hour of entertainment every day but you can you take it in bites right you you can do the wordle that's maybe five minutes you do the connections another five minutes you do the easy sudoku you can peck away at the crossword if you want to you can do the hard sudoku and peck away at it it saves your progress and then it just the next day it's like forget about forget about yesterday here's today and you just start it over again. Like and I've it. I've been loving it. I've been loving it. Thank you, New York Times. Way to go. <laughs> Andrew, here we are. Hour in. Hour and three in it. Look at us. We're keeping it short today. Anything you want to add before we go? Uh, no, I'm good. Hey, uh, folks. Thank you. Thank you 
for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Do me a favor, check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every episode of this podcast, but also articles, reviews, things that are happening in watches. Uh, you can also check us out on socials, in particular, Instagram, at watchclicker or at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker. That's where we post pictures, updates about what's happening on the website. If you want to support us, and oh boy, we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. For those of you who are already supporting us, we appreciate you so much. And for those of you who want to support us, you don't have to give a lot. That's how we get all our hardware, software, etc., etc. So thank you for those, and please come and join. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Bye.